so, interestingly enough, so I was, I, um, you guys know, most of you will in here will know about my love for um, the band Casting Crowns. I'm also a big fan of the, the band Mercy Me. Uh, Bart Mallard, who's the lead singer of, of Mercy Me, is very similar in his writing style, in his singing style, the way his voice sounds, to Mark Hall, who's the lead singer of Casting Crowns. Um, so I like both of them a lot. And I was, I was listening last week to a Mercy Me album. It's not their latest album, but it's the album before that, called uh, Inhale, Exhale. And they have a song on it called Hurry Up and Wait. And the whole point of this song is... Um, yeah, you know, the, the first verse, it goes 90 miles a minute, life's a circus and you're in it, too afraid to admit it, you're spinning out of control. So keep going like you've got this, keep going just to hide the fact that it's slowly taking its toll, but the faster you can slow this down to the rhythm of right now, the sooner you'll find your strength, so hurry up and wait. Rest your head for a moment. And it was struck me because I'm somebody, I've heard that song so many times, because I've listened to that album quite a lot. It's a great album, it's a great song. Most of you in here will also know that I'm not a hurry up and wait sort of person. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I, I live, uh, Maddie is like, how do you live with the amount of stress that you always have? And I'm like, I don't even notice it anymore. I've lived a stressed out life for 28 years. What's a little more? There was a time, so they'll say, where do you carry your stress? I carry my stress in my shoulders. If you came up here and started rubbing my shoulders, please do not. There is no one in this room, I'm looking around, and I have family members in this room that I would like to rub my shoulders. My wife can do it. That's about it. Alvin can do it if he wants to. I carry my stress in my shoulders. If you came up here and touched my shoulders, my shoulders feel like they're muscular and strong. They're not. They're just full of knots. And I one time had a friend who had, I, uh, I mean, he's still my friend. I just don't see him anymore. We've moved to different parts of the country. Who would, um... He had taken classes on massage therapy. And I was, I was talking about, man, my shoulders are really bothering me. And I said, hey, let, me, let me see. He gave my shoulders a massage. I didn't know what to do with myself because my shoulders felt so loose. It felt like my arms were going to fall off. I was like, what the heck is going on? I can move? That's not right. I'm a stressed out person. I always have been. So to hurry up and wait is a struggle for me. And so as I was listening to that song, I felt the Holy Spirit go, you need to preach on that because you, you're not the only one. You live in a world, in a society, in a country that is stressed out 100% of the time. Very few people in this country are not stressed out individuals. And I went, all right. And I went, you know, this sounds very similar to a sermon I preached. Would anyone like to know how long ago I preached a sermon that was literally called Hurry Up and Wait? It was one year ago. It was Memorial Day weekend of 2022. And I went, oh, okay. It's not the same scripture passage. And in fact, it's actually a completely different sermon from the one that I preached then. But it would appear that I preached that sermon and I, along with the rest of us, didn't get the message. So we've got to do it again. It's all right. It happens. I was just, I, when I saw that it was literally one year ago, I went, oh, look at that. That's interesting. We are going to talk about waiting, and specifically, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 40 that is going to have one or two verses that a lot of you will probably know. But do we apply them truly to our lives? Do we truly wait on the Lord? Let's read about it. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. 
It reads, why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. That verse 31 is the one that a lot of Christians memorize. It might be, some of you in here, it might be even your like life verse. You wait on the Lord and I, you know, mount up on wings like eagles. Has anybody here sprouted wings yet? Just checking. Somebody unfurled a massive pair of wings right now. I'm probably just going to leave. I'm not equipped to deal with that. If somebody's like, yes, I prayed and God gave me wings, I'm out of here. I, I'm not dealing with that today. Let's talk about it. Number one on your note sheets. Number one, understanding God. Now, I want to preface this one by saying, you are not ever going to successfully understand God. If you did, guess what? You'd be God. Okay? But we can grasp certain aspects of God. Certain, we get glimpses into who God is. Isaiah is a prophet who's writing to a people um, that have really turned their backs on God. They, and as we read here, the previous verses and previous chapters, they're blaming God. They're like, see, God, you don't even listen to us anymore. How are we supposed to focus on you? You won't listen to us. You don't hear us. You turned your backs on us, yada, yada, yada. All stuff that, you know, we, we humans, not just Christians, we humans, love to find excuses for our own failings that are different than just us. Uh, it can't possibly be. You all know that I'm a big old sports fan. You know, if that umpire had called that pitch correctly, that entire at-bat is different. Or maybe if he had stopped swinging at sliders eight feet outside the zone, that at-bat would have been differently. Maybe in the Super Bowl, if James Bradbury had not actually held the wide receiver, which he did do, that Super Bowl would have been different. Right? We, sports fans are classics of it. We blame the umpires, we blame the other teams. We will not blame the player who stood at the plate and watched an 86-mile-an-hour fastball just go straight down the middle for strike three. Come on. We do it in our own lives all the time. All the time. I, we were, uh, I was talking to somebody on Friday. I meet with somebody on Fridays. And um, he was telling me that with his son, he has learned he has to put down extremely strict, hard rules and lay out every detail because his son is a master at finding the way around, finding the details and going, oh, but you didn't say this. This, you, you didn't say this. Dad never had any kids that did that. We love to find excuses. We love to find ways around things that are not just us. The fact of the matter is that Israel had turned its back on God hundreds of years before this. And he was patient with them, and patient with them, and patient with them, until finally he said, my patience has not run out, I'm just done. God's patience doesn't run out like that, like ours does. But he just went, I'm, I'm done. And they're crying out to God. And Isaiah the prophet says, um, why are you, I'm going to put this in the language as I would understand it, okay? Why are you an idiot, 
Don't you understand who God is? This God that you serve or you claim to serve? He is, and we got this incredible description in 28, the everlasting God, the Lord, that is Yahweh, not just Adonai, that is Yahweh, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. I've talked about this in chapel on Friday, and, and somebody went, well, didn't he rest on the seventh day? Yes, he did. He just didn't need to. But even God sometimes likes to take a nap. I guess. No, it's because he was giving us an example of what we are supposed to do. Because we do grow weary and tired. But God does not. And so oftentimes I hear people talking about, God doesn't answer my prayers. Yes, he does. He's telling you to wait or no. We don't like that answer. So we instead just say, God doesn't answer our prayers. Here's the thing, church. God doesn't miss a thing, and he never has. There's nothing that escapes his sight. There's nothing that escapes his knowledge because he's know, he knows everything. So there's nothing that escapes his knowledge. There's not a single thing you have gone through, you will go through, you are going through right now, a single thing you have thought, are thinking, or will think, have done, will do, and are doing that he doesn't already know about. That's why I tell people all the time, listen, if you're mad at God, just go talk to him about it because he knows anyway. You can't be like, oh, God doesn't, I'm just going to hide my anger from God. No, he knows. Just go talk to him. The amount of times I've been on a hike and I've gone, God, I'm a little peeved right now. I thought we were doing this and then this happened. He doesn't miss a thing. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe. I say that all the time. And when I say that, I am meaning he is the creator, sustainer of the universe. And that includes you. He is your creator. He is your sustainer. You don't take your next breath without him allowing it. Do you think he misses anything? We read in scripture, he knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of us, that's a bit more than others. For some of us, it's a bit less than others. Right, John? <laughs> right. He knows everything. He doesn't miss a single thing. Nothing escapes his sight. And he doesn't grow tired and weary of us asking him. He doesn't grow tired and weary of just he's been doing stuff all day and he needs to say... This week, what, it, Dad and I have been in the kids' wing for like the past month, almost daily. And at the end of the day, we're exhausted. We're like, let's be done. We can't wait. Let's be done. God doesn't grow weary like that. He's ready all the time. It comes down to, and we're going to talk about this when we get to let's apply it. What is your view of God? Do you view him the way you view other humans? Because you shouldn't, because he is God. And Isaiah goes, don't you understand who this God is? And then, and then, he starts talking about what God can do for us as well. Number two on your note sheets, hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. Church, am I, no, he's got to be the youngest one in here right now. No, sorry, Haley's back there. Okay. It doesn't matter how young you are, if I may, the Atkinsons have been helping us out in the kids' wing quite a lot. And Christopher, who is 13 years old, just didn't seem to run out of energy on us. Which is a great thing. It's also a bad thing sometimes because you're like, Chris, deep breath, calm down. Before we can get to this, we've got to do these eight things first. These eight things are not fun. We understand that. But we can't, we can't chuck stuff out the window into the dumpster. 
until the window is out because we really don't want a broken window, right? Somehow, if he was in here today, I had a whole sermon illustration that I was going to use him with uh, if he had been in here today, but that's okay. I was going to make him come up here and stand here. I've got little like 10-pound weights, and I was just going to make him through the entire sermon, just lift the weights, see how long it was until his arms got tired. But even he tires out by the end of the day. You could tell it. He started to get a little more irritable, irascible, just like me, dad, and everyone else there, right? We all grow tired, and we don't just grow tired physically. It's a tiredness mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You will tire in this life. You will. Church, I don't want to make anybody unhappy, but we're weak. The strongest person in this room, the one with the most stamina, is weak. It's the nature of it. But Isaiah says, don't you get it? He gives strength to the weary. I'm in verse 29. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. When I first read that, I've mentioned that I'm dyslexic. When I first read that, I read it as like, um, um, and to him who lacks, he might increase their power. And I'm like, well, that's nice of him. He'll consider it. That's real nice of God right there. No, it's different. To the one who lacks might, he increases their power. There's no question on it. There's no, well, I'll consider it. He's going to do it. He says he will. And then in verse 30, he says, youths are going to grow weary and tired. Vigorous young men stumble. But those who wait for or on the Lord gain new strength. They mount up on wings like eagles. They run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Church, where are you getting your rest today? Because that's what that is. I don't just mean your physical rest, right? I don't mean how is your bed? Do you need a new pillow? That might go a long ways towards helping your physical rest. But how many of you, right, so often, I don't need a show of hands for this, so often, you know, we're like, we're emotionally tired. We go to bed, and you wake up the next day, and it doesn't even feel like you slept because you're still emotionally and mentally drained from the day before. They that wait on the Lord. So, wait on or for, depending on what translation we use. It's the same basic idea. What does it mean then to wait on God? If we're going to say you've got to in order to gain rest, right? What does it mean? It does not mean laziness and procrastination, right? I am, uh, I always have been a procrastinator. I wouldn't necessarily call myself lazy. I do things. I just don't want to do certain things, so I just push them aside. I learned, I used to say, and, I, and I've learned since that this is not true, this is just the way I taught myself to operate, that I operate better under pressure. When the deadline is right there, that's when I come up with my best work, my best ideas. And that was true for a very long time, mainly because I would not allow myself to work under any other circumstances. Once I figured out, oh, you know what? My sermons can be so much better when they're done on, like, Tuesday, and I have three or four days to fine-tune them versus, oh, crap, it's Friday night. I better really knuckle down and get this. Right? Stuff like that. I'm a procrastinator. Waiting on God does not mean you just sit there and go, okay, God, I'll just wait here for you. You go do stuff. I'll sit here and wait. Waiting on the Lord oftentimes means go. What? That doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. Because when God says go, it's time to stop waiting. 
I don't care what your fear is, and I, I have a lot of fears. I don't care what the world would say. It's time to go. It's time to do what he says to do. We uh, generally have too many kids in the kids' wing for what we had before. Uh, the room size, I mean, the, too many kids for the rooms that we had. And we beat around a lot of different ideas on how to rectify that problem. And when we decided on this, we went, we're not entirely sure where all the money's going to come from. Construction, it's expensive work. We don't know where it's all going to come from, but we know we have to do something. We've prayed about it, and we believe this is what God wants us to do. There's no time to wait. We knew that because Alvin went to Dad before Easter and said, so we're getting started right after Easter, right? God used Alvin to tell us it's time to get going. And we went, all right, fine, let's go. We don't know what's going to happen. Church, when I tell you there have been so many people that have supported that, when they found out we were doing that, it's incredible. Not just in terms of money, but people helping us and stuff like that, right? It was time to go. It was time to go. We had sat, we had talked, we had prayed, all good stuff, all the right stuff. It was time to go, and we did. Too often when we say wait on the Lord, we think it just means sit back on your haunches. No. Oftentimes it means go. But here's the other thing it means to wait on the Lord. Because he talks about giving rest to the weary. He talks about giving uh, uh, might to the, to the weak and the weary. Uh, and, and that we won't grow tired. It does not mean you're not going to need sleep. It does not mean you won't be emotionally and mentally and spiritually tired at points. It's not what any of that means. What it means is... When it's time, he will give you what you need to get through that moment when you are waiting on God, when you are walking with him. You see, too often we um, try to do things that God really hasn't told us to do yet. And we're like, why isn't this going the way it's supposed to? Because God set up roadblocks against you because you weren't waiting on him. I'm always tired. How much time are you spending with him? Jesus is our great example of waiting on God. Multiple times we read in Scripture that he left his disciples, left the crowds, and went off alone for a little bit. It does not say he played Xbox. It does not say he read a book. It does not say he watched football. It does not say he had a beer with the guys. No, what it says is, he went and spent time with God, and he came back every time refreshed and recharged, ready to go for what God needed him to do, or what God wanted him to do. God doesn't need us to do anything. There's nothing wrong with wanting to watch a football game. There's nothing wrong with, I know a lot of people that love to just sit, mom does, loves to just sit in the quiet and, and read a book or work on something that she, she loves doing that. It's good. I'm not bashing stuff like that at all. However, that's not really waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord means you are with him and walking with him daily. You are reading this book, this, this Bible, whether it's got wax or not, you're reading it. You are spending time talking to him. Now, waiting on the Lord means a whole bunch of other stuff as well that I'm not going to get into uh, today because if I was going to do a study on what it means to wait on the Lord, that's like a multi-week thing. There's a ton that goes into it. But I wanted to start there. 
do you know this book? Let's apply it, shall we? Mom's going to be amazed. i got to kill for ten minutes here. That's easy. I can do that. Number one, what is your view of God? What is your view of God? We talked about it a little bit ago, just in brief. Do you view God like you view another human? That he doesn't listen, that he grows tired, that he misses things, stuff like that? Or do you view God as the God that he is, Yahweh, the I am? That doesn't just That's not just a name he gave himself. The I am means he is in everything and everything exists through him. He is God, capital G. Do you view him that way? Your whole worldview changes when you see God like that. Your, your whole perspective of everything changes when you see God as who he is, as best as we can. Because we're always going to fail in this, right? I'm not, I'm not sitting up, standing up here and saying, well, if you don't have a perfect 100% accurate view of God, you're a failure as a Christian. No, I don't yet. Neither does anyone else in this room yet. We're working towards it. But we know the basics. And do you view that right? Do you view God as God? Yahweh, the creator, sustainer, the one who gives strength to the weary. The one who doesn't miss a single thing. Both good and bad. Secondly, I want to admonish you, encourage you this morning. Hurry up and wait. I mentioned it at the top. Too many of us in this world, including myself, our minds never shut down. They never stop. And you can go to counseling. You can do medications, you can go to the baseball game, you can go on a walk, you can go on a hike, you can do all that stuff, and I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad. In fact, I think that things like counseling and certain times medications and stuff like that can be very helpful if it's biblical counseling. But the fact of the matter is that none of that will give you what you need to truly rest, to truly allow your mind to settle, to truly allow your spirit to settle, none of that's really going to help you. Are you waiting on God? Are you willing to allow him to be the one? Most of my stress, this might be true of you, I guess it is, I'm, I'm guessing it is, most of my stress comes because there are things that I try to control or that I think I should be in control of. And that's where my stress comes from for the most part. Church, I can count on one hand the number of things I can control. And even those things I don't really have control over. I laugh because people will ask me questions. Like somebody asked me something about the rummage sale. And I went, I don't know. They went, aren't you the pastor of the church? And I went, yeah. So don't you know? No. The rummage sale is June 3rd from 9 to 12. We'll be serving hot dogs that are going to be a buck or a buck 50, something like that, with a, a can of uh, soda and a, and, a, and, a, and a bag of chips. And then there's a bunch of stuff downstairs that's for sale. Do they need help? I don't know. What are you accepting? Uh, no electronics, no upholstered furniture. Is it this? Can you will accept this? Is it an electronic or an upholstered furniture? Well, no. I don't know. I have no control over that thing. What are you going to do that day? I don't know. Whatever mom tells me. I love not having to worry about that. If I did, you wouldn't even have a rummage sale. If somebody said, Pastor Sam, you're in charge of the rummage sale this year, I'd go, cool, there's no rummage sale this year. 
We'll just get rid of that right now. But a lot of my stress comes from things that I can't control, but I try to. You might stress about the weather. Oh, crap, we've got to do something outside today. What's the weather going to be like? You can't control it. You can pray about it and say, God, please give us nice weather that day. That is the extent to which you can do anything. Buy a tent. Put it up. There you go. The fact of the matter is that most stress comes because it's things we can't control that we want to. But God's the one who controls. And I'm telling you this morning, hurry up and wait. And I want to give you a practical thing to help you to do this. And I want to explain it because if you just do this, my guess is you will fail at this if you just try to do it for various reasons. Okay? So here's your practical application for this week. Every day this week, sit in silence with God. Now, I don't like silence. Your pastor does not like, like it when it's quiet. When I go to sleep, there's something playing. I generally, my, uh, my mother-in-law was laughing at me the one day because she comes over to our house and does a, a Bible study with Maddie. And she walked into the living room to say goodbye. And she looked and there was, I was playing baseball, playing baseball on the TV. I had baseball on the computer, an actual game. It was Philly's Red Sox, in case you wanted to know. And I had an earphone in that was playing country music. And she walked in and went, how do you know what's going on? And I went, well, I'm in the third inning up here. I'm up 12 nothing. Down here, the Phillies are getting shellacked, so I'm not paying too much attention to that because it just makes me angry. And the country song, I just kind of get snippets of that I go, oh, I like that song. And then I, right, and she's like, how does your brain comprehend all that? And I was like, oh. But boy, when it stops... When there's no sound, my brain just goes haywire. It's called ADHD. I have a fun time. I call it ADD. I don't have time for the H. Some people got that. That's okay. The fact of the matter is that I don't like silence. But the other fact of the matter is that God does not speak in the storm. Using the storm, I should say. God speaks in a still, small, quiet voice. That's how he talks. Now, sometimes... He hits you above, you know, I like to say he hits me with a two-by-four across the head to get my attention, but then he speaks in a still, small voice. You won't hear him unless you're sitting in the silence. You won't hear him if you're distracted by so many things, and that includes Christian music. That will sometimes include this, because you're too busy going, oh, I love this verse to let God speak to you about what it means. So, I want you to sit in silence, and I mean silence. I don't mean you have to put noise-canceling headphones on, right? But no stimuli. Now, when you do this, there's a couple of ground rules. When you sit in silence, you are inviting anything. And I mean anything. We talk about God. There is also an adversary who would love to whisper in your ear. You must be wise. You must learn to recognize the voice of God. There's a couple of key ways to do that. One, do you know this book very well? If not, you better get it. Two, I tend to have verses running through my head. One or two. Not much. One or two that just keep me focused on who, not what, who I'm waiting to hear from. 
Sometimes I sit in silence for 30 seconds, and that's all it takes. I love those days, because I don't have to sit in silence for very long then. Sometimes you've got to sit in silence for a long time. And if any of you are like, no, I really like silence, think about it when I'm up there playing music. That two seconds in between each song, almost everyone in here goes, well, what's going on? Because it's silence and we don't like it. Be careful as to what you are listening to in your mind. Secondly, I would suggest doing this when you are not dead tired. Because if you are tired, you won't hear the voice of God. You'll be like the disciples in the Garden of the Gethsemane when Jesus asked them to pray with him. Conked out tired. You're just asleep now. Sleep's not a bad thing. When you're trying to hear from God, sometimes it is. It's going to take practice. It's going to take, you're still going to fail at it sometimes. I do. So will you. It's okay. But be diligent about it. And thirdly, because it's 1030, and lastly, when it comes to this, before you sit in that silence, pray something along these lines. You don't have to pray these exact words, right? I don't need somebody, their recorder out going, what's he going to say? Something along these lines. God, help me to keep my mind from distraction. Help me to keep my mind protected. Not help me to keep, excuse me. Protect my mind from the things I'm not supposed to see and hear. And help me to recognize your voice. To know who you are and to hear what you are trying to say to me. And then don't say amen yet. Sit in that silence for a while. And then... When that silence is done, when you feel the Holy Spirit saying, all right, it's time to be done, you go, okay, thank you, Lord. Amen. End it then. Let the whole thing be a prayer. It's going to take time. This is not a tool that you gain, you do it once, and you're like, got it. I know people that have been at it for decades. It takes time. But we have to learn to sit and wait on God and listen to his voice. And then when he says go, we go. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you this morning that you, that you do speak to us. Through your word, you know, there's not usually an audible voice anymore that is booming out of heaven. You speak to us through your word. Um, but I also thank you that you speak in that still, small voice. And I pray you would help us to hear it and understand it. I pray that you would help us to walk in you, to wait and not grow weary and not grow tired because we are doing what you have asked us to do. And we are putting our hope, our strength. We are not saying I can do this in my own strength. We are saying I can do this through Christ. And that is it. And I walk in that. I praise you, Father. I pray your blessing over the rest of our weeks. Um, and it's in the name of your son that we pray, that I pray, amen. And amen.